For those of you who haven't been to any of these tafsir sessions before, they're really short, 10-15 minute tafsir sessions. And they're really just reflections on some key passages from the Qur'an that are talking about themes to do with personal finance, investment, family, careers, the kind of things that we talk about at IFG, but with an intention of making sure that we just touch base with the fact that, you know, this is ultimately a spiritual pursuit that we are here for and to make sure that we are replenishing our iman as much as we possibly can do. So with that, today, inshallah, we're going to be reflecting on a couple of verses, one that talks about marrying women and divorcing women, and of course, husbands as the alternative, and also about adoption and the position regarding adoption in Islam. And you might be thinking, you know, how has this got anything to do with personal finance and investment? And we'll talk a little bit about that as well, because this was something that I was personally doing a bit of a tadabbur over, a bit of a reflection over, and I thought I would share that with you guys as well. So without further ado, let's dive in. This is the fourth surah, Surah Nisa, women, and we are going to kick off from verse 127. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says in the Quran, they ask you, O Prophet, regarding women. Say it is Allah who instructs you regarding them. Instruction has already been revealed in the book concerning the orphan women you deprive of their due rights by not giving them the mahar, but still wish to marry. Also, helpless children, as well as standing up for orphans' rights. And whatever good you do is certainly well known to Allah. And in the next verse, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, If a woman fears indifference or neglect from her husband, there is no blame on either of them if they seek fair settlement, which is best. Humans are ever inclined to selfishness, but if you are gracious and mindful of Allah, surely Allah is all aware of what you do. And those are the two really, really interesting and powerful verses that we're going to be zoning in on today. And I'll tell you, in Islam, we've got this concept of the Sharia, which is the code book of both the Quran and the Hadith and everything that the ijma of the scholars. And 
the maqasid of the sharia have been defined by a number of scholars and the kind of things that the sharia is always trying to achieve with absolutely everything that it lays out is protection of your iman protection of life protection of wealth protection of lineage you know these are the key things that islam really wants to promote with absolutely everything it does and the same is clearly the case when we think about divorce and we think about adoption because if you think about the family unit and you think about where crime often comes from you know you see that if you look into the background of a criminal you will often find a problematic childhood there may have been single parents or no parents there may have been some abuse some horrific abuse that they have suffered earlier or on in their lives they may have grown up in a really poor area with single parent families being the norm that is obviously not always the case when it comes to crime but it, there's a huge trend where there is significant overlap between a person's past and a person's upbringing and the circumstances that life has ultimately put them into and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and Islam creates a system where if for example you've got certain women you know in this society in particular in the prophetic society where there used to be battles and people could end up without their husbands in that kind of society Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is encouraging men and women to be united by more than just uh, lip service but actually united in a sacred pact it could be a blood pact it could be a contractual pact like it is for marriage in some way shape or form so that a person has some kind of ownership or some kind of call upon another person so that they have that protection that bubble of protection around them and so islam encourages people to establish families and then it encourages people after that to adopt as well and when we think about the virtue and the benefit of a situation such as the sacrament of marriage or this beautiful act of adoption what you've done is you know you have materially increased that child's chances at success in life you have most likely reduced the likelihood of that child going into crime you have probably increased his or her quality of life you've probably increased the amount of money she will earn during the rest of her life if you're a muslim family who you have adopted you have 100% increased the likelihood that this person is going to end up now in jannah as opposed to jahannam there's a shocking statistic here guys that out of eight muslim kids that go into adoption or eight muslim kids that go into foster care and need to be looked after there is only one muslim family there to meet that demand in other words the seven of the eight children that go into foster care will end up growing up as non-muslims and they will end up leaving their religion when i heard that that was all sorts of alarm bells went off and um, so i would actually as a side point encourage all of us as much as possible to consider adoption wherever we can the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam he highly highly encouraged it and he said you know the person who adopts and me will be you know like this and he showed the closeness of of his two fingers and there is a very very good reason for why allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the prophet and the sharia encourage this action as we've just been talking about 
The other really interesting thing about these verses, and we were talking about finances and wealth, there are two very powerful hadith that I came across. This is a hadith in Tabarani. The Prophet ﷺ, he said, trade with the funds of the orphans lest they be depleted by zakat. And in another narration, which is in Tirmidhi, he said, whoever is entrusted with the money of an orphan, it is to trade in it lest it be consumed by zakat. In other words, looking after an orphan's wealth and making sure that you are putting it towards something productive is something hugely encouraged. It is a requirement of you looking after that orphan's wealth. And notice, by the way, the implication of this. The implication of this is that you are going to be reducing zakat. So Prophet the Prophet of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, right? He is saying, don't give as much zakat, right? He is saying that you should protect the wealth of this orphan not being eroded away by zakat and actually you should invest it in things that are productive. And this is actually a wider point about our economic system within Islam. Our economic system is not an Islamic economic system of charity. The pinnacle of economic activity isn't necessarily charity. The pinnacle of economic activity is ultimately to do with you know what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants above what you want and to make sure that that permeates all of your economic relations. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says in the Quran himself, in Surah Furqan, Those who spend from their wealth, they are neither miserly nor are they extravagant, but they're somewhere in the middle. Even when they're giving charity, they're somewhere in the middle, they're sensible about it. And the value of you taking money that is otherwise just going to be sat around and then deploying it into the real world and making something productive and useful happen with that investment and then obviously making a bit of a return from it is great but the point is that islam hugely encourages with this zakat and you know the key areas that zakat targets it hugely encourages circulation and productivity in the wider society these are two fascinating hadith linked to investments and finances and also orphans and looking after orphans and then really the final thing to be said here is that the verse following verse 127 Allah subhanahu wa he also says that look if you can't make do with with a certain marriage then there's no problem whatsoever as long as you depart on good terms and you do it in a legal way so for example you know if you've given the mahar and you've been with your wife and had conjugal ties with her then you should not be allowed to take that mahar off her if she wants to give it to you then you know so be it she can do but that is her right and after that you make sure that you both come to what is an appropriate agreement when it comes to maintenance and looking after children etc etc and then you essentially crack off There's a degree of a taboo in our communities around divorce that perhaps there really shouldn't be. The times of the Prophet and the Sahaba, they used to, I think, much more regularly get divorced and married than we do today. So the stigma that comes with divorce these days should not be the case. And it makes it harder for divorcee women to get remarried as well, which is not a good thing because of all of the reasons that we've discussed just previously, i.e. if you have men and and women that are outside of a family unit that creates for 
ultimately a weaker society and it ultimately creates a society where the web of protection of being part of a you know nuclear family unit starts to disintegrate and reduce and we don't want that to happen as a muslim community so with that i shall wrap up i pray that allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes us from amongst those who have strong family ties and gives us offspring that are the coolness of our eyes and marries us and keeps us united with spouses who are righteous and keep us on the straight path and creates societies around us that ultimately create a society that worships Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and makes us get closer to the love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and gets us closer to Jannatul Firdaus at the end of the day. أقول قولي هذا واستغفر الله لي ولكم واستغفروا إنه هو الغفور الرحيم If you got this far, you must have enjoyed the podcast, which means you'll definitely love our other episodes and other content we produce as well, inshallah. Be sure to check out the website, islamicfinanceguru.com, as well as our YouTube channel and social media. Until next time, assalamu alaikum.